in the Calvary Bible Church, the one and only Graham Parker and Jesse Miller. Wow. That was good. Alrighty then. Who was that? So that was Andrew Johnson, our most loyal listener. Our supported missionary and loyal listener. Part of the uh, thing with us taking him on for support was he had to listen to every episode of the Calvary Cast. And so he did. And and he came up with this new intro for us right now because he thinks we should have a he thinks we should have a, a distinct recorded intro every time and so he sent me one not knowing that I would use it so it'll be a little bit of a surprise for him when he cues up this latest episode of the podcast but this is episode seventy one and uh, this is a, also introducing a new feature for our VIP listeners you can become a Calvary Cast Plus subscriber and you can have the honor of. Uh, getting your intro at the beginning of the podcast. How do they become a plus subscriber? Uh, listen. Just listen to the podcast. Oh. Usually they got to pay for something like that, and then they would get, like, more content. Yes. That's true. Well, they can pay. <laughs> they can pay <laughs> and no more content, and uh, you could still be considered... you just be a plus subscriber. So you have to actually have listeners and have content that people want to pay for in order to pay more for it and are you implying that we don't have listeners <laughs> and that we don't have content people would pay for yes <laughs> yes you're and not the data and the stats it, you're just yeah. saying the it. data and the stats would back it up so but uh yeah if people want to send us an intro like andrew did uh, preferably don't record it in your car <laughs> because we will use it we will use it and uh so yeah good that's all I uh, have for the intro there. That's our intro. Oh, oh, except that last time we didn't talk. We we're past seventy episodes now. So yeah, and we said, uh, didn't we say after last time we got to make a big deal about seventy fifth? Yes. It might be like a highlights. Uh, Maybe we just do something, just something funny for the whole episode, or funny to us. We'll we could laugh and do okay. things. Yeah, I don't know. Do I don't know. We'll think of something. We'll think of something. Maybe we'll just have cake. We, just we could just sit eat, here and eat cake, and, and they would just coffee. listen to us eating and drinking. <laughs> we wouldn't even mm. say anything. Our family is so weird about this. Whenever we're sitting down to eat, we have to put music on because we can't stand listening to each other eat. It drives really? us nuts. Oh, it is. It's become a weird thing. It never used to be that way, but now we'll sit down to eat, and it'll be like, uh, Alexa, play uh, you know, play dinner music or whatever wow. because we don't like to hear each other well, we like to have dinner or music on sometimes, but not because of the sound of the other person. What are you guys like? Slobs? We. Hey, is that a recording of our dinner? <laughs> that's exactly, Shut up, Wyatt! <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what we do. Oh, my word. Yeah, no. Uh, our dinner, oh. we, we maybe that's what we do. We just don't know it because our dinners are allowed because of our young children. It's usually. Cohen, sit down. Eat your food. Cohen, sit down. Eat your food. Over and Stay, over, over again. Over and over. Stay at the table. Don't get out. Yeah. You don't have to make him eat. That boy gets hungry enough. He'll eat. I remember All when he I would uh, eat his meat. He, yeah. He wouldn't eat what he want. Yeah. I remember when uh, Jace was just an infant, and I'm talking like just born or whatever. And um, when we were visiting him, and and he would be crying because he's hungry. 
And I'd go, you don't need to feed. He's, or no, he wouldn't take his bottle or something. I don't yeah. remember what it was. And I said, that boy's hungry enough. He'll eat. You know, he can get that <laughs> bottle for himself. You know, I'm just being kind of like, <laughs> he's this little helpless infant. Anyway, that's where that came from with uh, Cohen, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Well, he would just eat like carbs and meat all day and things like that. So, yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. We are not talking about uh, eating uh, loudly at the table. Nope. We're talking about, we're we're kind of in a pattern of talking about the book of the month, which Jess is holding up in his Vanna White way. Too bad we mm-hmm. need to have this on camera and people could see you modeling the book. I told you we need to start videoing this. And uh, then I think it would, it would probably add a lot and people would probably watch it. <laughs> I don't think it would add anything. It'd probably make it worse. We'd lose viewers. We'd be more conscious listeners. of people watching <clears throat> and listening so that there'd be, I don't know, I think we'd, Maybe we would feel more dynamic. I'd have to put pants on then. Yeah, that's true. So would I. <laughs> we both have pants on, just in case. The but anyway, we are uh, talking about our book of the month for last month. We've decided at the end of the month we'll do a podcast on the book of the month, which is not actually our plan. That's just the way it worked out. But that uh, book that we had for January was Ed Welch's book, Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness. And uh, we think this is a great book that who should read this i guess everyone i i think it's good uh for people who battle with depression or mm-hmm. people helping people yeah. battle with depression or trying like let's say a, a relative of yours or a friend or something and he does a good job at helping you kind of understand where it's coming yeah. from but also giving you a direction and helping that person so yeah. people that are that are battling with depression will find it useful. Yep. Or if you have in the past and you're thinking you may in the future type of thing. And then people that are helping others. Yeah. So Ed Welch is a, is a licensed psychologist and faculty member at the Christian Counseling Educational Foundation. C-C-E-F. Um, and he's been counseling for many years. He's written uh, a number of books. Um as kind of a fruit of his biblical counseling. And the reason I like Ed Welch, uh, oh, well, a number of reasons I like him, but one of the reasons I like recommending him is because he's got street cred, because his <laughs> his degree is from a secular mm-hmm. university, right? He's mm-hmm. up to PhD level. Mm-hmm. Right. So he knows um, the what they're saying. The secular approach, yeah. Yeah, and he, he knows the secular approach. Data. He's educated in mm-hmm. it, and he... Uh, it, I wouldn't say that he doesn't draw from that. I mean, if, if you read that, the, the book, you, um, he draws on that experience, yeah. knowledge, and yet shows why biblical like counseling analyzes is... Analyzes it from a biblical perspective. Yeah, and biblical counseling being the, um, the direction he yeah. goes. The means of change, or the, the means that he would apply to a person dealing with these issues is not going to be a secular one. It's going to be a biblical counseling-based one. Right. Yeah. And so, and, he, and a book like this is important uh, with depression because depression is such a common um, type of suffering, yeah. even among Christian people. And statistically, um, the data is showing it, it's increasingly so mm-hmm. in the age in which we live. Yeah. And there are probably a number of reasons for that. Yeah. But yet, um, so if you read this, you'll see, we don't want to go through the, we don't go through the, really the contents of the book too much. I got a couple things that I was just going to draw out. 
and we were going to talk about that. Um, but I do recommend it. And I've had a couple of people already talk to me about it and um, are enjoying it Good. or have enjoyed it as they read through it. Um, I think that with all those things that you said about him, his writing style is really good for one. I think he's a good writer, but he is, it is just so thoughtful. I appreciate how he applies the scriptures to the issues of life. Mm-hmm. And it's not in a, you know, one of the, the, uh, charges or tropes against biblical counseling is the old adage, you know, take three Proverbs and call me in a week or something right, like right. that. That's kind of the, the way people view biblical counseling. And you read somebody like Ed Welch and it is not that it's not simplistic. It's not reductionistic. Uh, it's really helpfully, thoughtfully applying the scriptures, mm-hmm. um, to the issues of life. And yeah. I think he does that very well. And I think when you, if you do research on what is truly biblical counseling, mm-hmm. okay, you will find a lot of criticism about it. And largely that criticism will be taking quotations from kind of like what, I mean, would we consider him the father of modern biblical counseling would be Jay Adams. Yeah. And um, if you, if you put a, and that was the, I was exposed to Jay Adams in seminary when I took the class biblical counseling, that was our text, right? So if you took that book and laid it down and read through it, and then you took this one, you're going to have a different vibe and feel as though biblical counseling has kind of come a long way. And it's like you said, there's, um, it seems to be more sympathetic and, or empathetic or whatever term we would want to use. A little Um, softer, softer and patient in understanding that not every problem is directly solved by, oh, that's your problem. Here's a verse for that. You know, just memorize this verse and then right. do it as a, because it seems to me that, you know, this type of biblical counseling has taken things further and understood that we're very complicated yes. um, as human beings. And um, the fall has only further complicated that. So any kind of counseling is going to take patience and time. Yep. And um, so it's just different. It's, it's matured, a different vibe. I think, it's is the matured. way that I, yeah. I would describe it. It's matured so much from which those early years of it. So, right, right. All that was for free, that we didn't really plan to just discuss biblical counseling. But I think you have to kind of set that context when we're, this is a biblical counseling approach to right. depression that right. we're advocating and that we would seek to practice ourselves. So um, talk about the book for a little bit. Sure. Uh, what uh, what things stood out to you? What was uh, some of the most helpful things? Yeah, things I think the, be- the best thing about, when in the beginning, uh, what he does is he addresses the fact that in our culture, our kind of the default mode of anybody suffering with an emotional um, trial. Sure. So let's say uh, emotional suffering, like depression or anxiety. Um, there is this tendency in our culture now to immediately default all those things, all those feelings uh, to mental illness uh, or a medical issue, mm-hmm. a chemical imbalance this can be treated with medicine, those kinds. And he, um, he kind of begins and launches off the book with addressing that saying that that is not the wisest route to, to go. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, he talks about this specifically in, in, in relation to depression. Um, many people, you hear them talk about depression in, in the sense of chemical imbalance. And, um, the more if you look into that concept of the chemical imbalance, 
you quickly find that even um, psychiatrists are not agreed yeah. on this, and it is a theory, right? Mm-hmm. He says no one can confidently diagnose a chemical imbalance because there is no way to really know. Even if there were a test for it, which there isn't, the test couldn't tell you if the imbalance caused the depression or resulted from it. He goes on to say, the problem with immediately opting for a medical explanation is that once the decision is made, every other perspective seems superficial or irrelevant. Okay, And that's important because what he's saying is there, are, there can be other reasons and probably are for, for why a person is battling depression. And if our immediate go-to default is chemical imbalance, mm-hmm. not only am I finding just in my own just very surface-level level research that that's unscientific in mm-hmm. and of itself because, mm-hmm. again, the chemical balance, the serotonin imbalance mm-hmm. uh, is just a theory they can't prove or demonstrate, right? right? So, but if we, if we immediately default to my soul issues right now of depression are attributed to, to some medical diagnosis or a chemical imbalance, then I'm not going to be searching for really other answers mm-hmm. of why this could be happening and um, never connecting it then to any kind of spiritual element. Right in it right does that make sense yeah yeah and i think that it's he's trying really in this book he's avoiding a simplistic or reductionistic approach to how we view the causes of depression right and and right from the offset like we kind of are jumping into the medical side and uh, this is going to bring up the medication medication question and he doesn't say a person shouldn't take medication he just says don't make that your first resort and there's a whole host of things that could be contributors to your depression. And even more than that, and I think this is the thing that stood out to me most, is that depression is a form of suffering. Mm-hmm. And so when we understand that, and you mentioned this on Sunday, when we understand that depression is a form of suffering, then we really can view what the Bible teaches about suffering as applying to our depression. Right. Um, just like we would view any other medical condition. You're dealing with cancer or something like that, that's a form of suffering, and there's a biblical response we all understand. Right. Uh, so the same thing should happen with our depression as well. And I think when, when we, if, we, if we think about depression, well, in the context of suffering, the Bible gives very specific instructions. Yes. Now all of a sudden your, your depression can take on a new yeah. joy-producing meaning. Yes. So God in all our suffering has good intentions for us to become like Christ. Yep. Uh, but also, if if we're always thinking of of depression and anxiety, and I'm mentioning those two because they're the biggest ones mm-hmm. that people deal with. If we're thinking of those that emotional type of suffering always in the context of mental illness, mm-hmm. right? I think that is misconveying those emotions when, as we mentioned Sunday, we see Jesus experiencing them. Mm-hmm. Here was a man who was a man of sorrows. That's mm-hmm. how he was described and acquainted with grief. And, and I thought about this, if you're the perfect man living in a sin ruined world, yeah. the, the proper emotional response is often going to be sorrow or depression. In other words, it, it isn't a mental illness. It may mean that your chemicals in your brain are mm. responding exactly the way they're supposed to. Yeah. And, um, 
and this is just the the natural response in a in a fallen world is to be to sometimes experience sorrow maybe even sometimes depression mm. now i say that with caution because there is there are dangerous levels of depression yes yes if, if they're not responded to right and um and so I don't want to I don't want to diminish very serious levels of depression right. and how we can respond to some of those, but I'm just saying that not all depression is mental illness and right. not all anxiety is mental illness right. or emotional negative emotional feelings are something Jesus experienced as the perfect man in a in a fallen right. world, and so attributing it all to that then won't allow us to really dig in yeah and. And maybe find reasons that are uh, causing our issues. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to give you an example because I listened to a podcast the other yesterday. It was and when I was working out, and I was listening to, uh, and I've never listened to this podcast before, but I was browsing the mm-hmm. podcast and and the and the title One caught my up. attention. Yeah. yeah, so there 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 was an interview with this professor and I think she was out of Stanford maybe or or something uh but anyway and she wrote a book about um what's it called not serotonin but what's the dopamine in your brain and the connection between dopamine and addiction Hmm. and uh she relates us so basically the way she described it and I'm not an expert on this (laughs) I have a podcast uh expertise in it now but that's about (laughs) it right so she simplified it for dummies but basically you know you have these neurotransmitters in your brain and and there's pleasure and pain responses right and and they she said they work together kind of like a balancing system Mm. so like if you are experiencing dopamine in the brain the the brain has a way of like balancing that Mm. out and there's also pain uh or discomfort uh, you know that needs to balance out and it keeps it balanced right the problem is if you indulge in an activity over and over and again that produces this dopamine that your body on the one hand needs more and more of it to produce that dopamine you're going after that right and then when you're when you're not having it, the body overreacts mm. with these negative mm. chemicals or mm. however that works, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why you kind of feel bummed or mm. irritable or mm. even depressed. And depending on what it is that you're becoming addicted to, right, uh, will determine the severity of that. Interesting. So she tells her story of getting hooked on romance novels. Wow. Now you and I don't understand yeah. that, but nope. I'm sure a lot of people might say, "Well, I do," because yeah. there are people that were uh, that get so involved in these romance mm. novels, and then they're hoarding them. And now a Kindle, it's only amplified because you can get them for like ninety nine cents. And I guess they describe how they get done with one, and they're they need the next one, wow. and so they get another one and they read that, and how it grew into like you know, going from just the romance novels to, to like 50 shades of yeah, gray or one of those. Sure. Right. And it just becomes this addiction uh, cycle. So anyway, the reason I say, and then they, she was talking about the fact that some people have these addictions. They don't even realize it's mm. happened. And, um, and, and it could be with well, things like social, social media, media social say. media, yep. uh, or video games yep. are big. She works with people with that, all these types of things that produce these, this don't mean, yeah. The reason I'm bringing this out is, Let's just consider the possibility that if you're depressed, mm. that uh, this is just one example. Yeah. Okay. As we're digging, as we're probing, yep. as we're talking about depression, we're talking right. about habits in your life. Yep. All of a sudden it surfaces that like, 
you are a chronic binger of whatever it is. Romance novels. Romance novels or whatever you thought was harmless. I mean, there's no verse in the Bible that talks about romance novels or whatever. But there could be things like that that yeah. have become idolatrous to you. Yes. And if you would take away those things yep. or at least get a handle on them, then feel, it would help you feel better, right? Yeah. Or you're going to, if that's taken away, you're going to feel depressed for a time. Right. Yeah. And I just thought that was interesting because as I was yeah. thinking about it, we don't attribute everything to medical issues, but the brain is active in all of our it's an issues. Organ. And so um, we we got to think through all those things, but if we just attribute it to, well, you have a chemical imbalance because here's the thing. And I found this out. I was like, what? Because they don't know if they, they don't have a test for chemical imbalance. Right. If they did, they wouldn't be able to tell you if the chemical imbalance is causing the depression or the depression is causing the chemical mm. imbalance. That's important. That is. Yes. Because you may be doing something yeah. or thinking something yeah. that is actually causing the, chemical imbalance if there were one yeah or you know whatever it is so again we don't want i think what a lot of times people have charged biblical counseling with with these simplistic reductionistic answers mm-hmm. to these problems and actually the way it's maturing it's getting yeah. deeper and oh, it's my, it's yeah. reacting against the sim- simplistic reductionistic answers of the culture right because in in many ways I, I don't know i think you maybe mentioned this earlier it's almost easier to sometimes just come to a a conclusion of a medical thing and I you know there's a simpler answer yeah. you know take this pill and and it's all good and and again like we both know uh and have people in our lives that that have been helped by medicine and mm-hmm. like Ed Welch brings it out he says and that happens and why that happens we don't always understand why it works for one person and why it doesn't work for another uh we don't know that's just where the the science is at on that but and he makes this point um if i can find the uh find the uh i shouldn't be looking up i should have had it marked where i was going to look um the point is that the medical treatment is not our our hope right he says uh a medical treatment can change the experience of the depression not because it is a successful treatment in and itself but because we have put our hope in the treatment and our hope is what revises our experience of depression so sometimes your hope can be misplaced mm-hmm. right you think if i just go to this counselor or this uh take this pill or whatever all my problems will go away mm-hmm. and maybe for a time mm-hmm. but ultimately it's not going to produce the kind of change and you may miss out on the lessons the lord would want us to learn through that kind of suffering the refining and purifying right. processes he brings us through and we don't want to forget that we always want to circle back to the fact that it's a form of suffering that we want immediately re- we we want immediate relief but God doesn't always do that yeah. with any kind of suffering. Yep. And because he has a purpose in it. Yeah. Now, again, if the suffering is very severe, if the depression is so severe, per- per- people are thinking of suicide. Yes. They have those constant morbid thoughts. They're in deep dis- yep. despair. Then you know what? I don't have a... Pr- I mean, nobody should really have a problem with them taking medication to, as Ed Welch says, it takes can take for some. Right. It can take that edge off. Right. But there should be more than that in this. Uh, would would we say self analyzation yeah. and counseling and talking about yep. things and trying to to then figure out what are yeah. some of these core issues? Maybe it was a hundred percent something wrong with the brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
but uh, it certainly isn't going to hurt you right. to explore other right. spiritual Things. options and, well, and that. And and like and he brings out here too. Even any kind of form of suffering is going to be. We're going to be asking questions about the goodness of God about why I'm going through these things. So so again, even if, if it's 100%, you know, medical, there's still a spiritual response to it, just as we would say with cancer or any other kind of form of physical suffering. There's a spiritual response that's going to help you walk through that right. trial with joy yep. uh, and, and see the Lord's purposes in it. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we don't want to miss those opportunities for spiritual growth and sanctification and, and change. Um. Yeah. Any Maybe th- John Piper should write a book called "Don't Waste Your Suffering" or no, "Don't, don't waste, waste Your, your Cancer." Uh, <laughs> no, he wrote that. Uh, oh. What am I thinking? Don't waste. Don't waste your, your depression. Oh, uh, don't waste. Your oh, depression. You, that's a, a yeah. book he should write. Maybe he should write that. Maybe he should. So I think that that's why I think this book is helpful. I think people will find it helpful. Yeah. Um. In either, you know, uh, if they battle depression. Or helping others yeah. that battle depression, and then part of our the way we do things as we um, as we recommend books, we're always thinking that maybe in some of these instances the author has written other things that might mm-hmm. be helpful. And in this case, I think that's the case. Especially yeah. his book on addictions; it's very yep. well known. Um, his book on anxiety is really good. We right. re- we actually recommended another book of his uh, probably a year ago, the Side by Side, which is just about learning to basically do the basics of biblical counseling. How do you apply the gospel to one another's lives? Right. So yeah, I think I don't. I've read several of his books, and they're all excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk for just a second about how we would approach counseling somebody with depression? Sure. So what do you think? Well, <laughs> again, like anything like this um, isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all, right. right? We got to just, like with anything, if somebody's struggling with something like this, let's get together and talk. Yeah. So pretty much we're just, we want to listen to yep. wh- how they're feeling, what they're walking through at the time, yep. and just describing why we're talking. Yes. Yeah, I think that uh, there's, and I, and the reason I ask this is because, um I hope that people here in this podcast, like we have a heart, we want to have a heart for people that are suffering this way and by God's grace, try and apply the word of God to their hearts in life. And we're not perfect in this by any means, but if we can help people in our own church in this regard, we want to do that. Right. Um, so this would be kind of maybe a general approach, but yeah, we start with just with talking and determining, asking, asking a lot of questions when these feelings begin, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to evaluate uh, maybe we're, changes that that came upon you um you're trying to just connect some dots right so to speak as when that happened and i think another thing that's really important in any biblical counseling as a christian um and as we think about the reality that this is a form of suffering we always want to go back to the hope of the gospel mm-hmm. and the hope for change mm-hmm. and the grace that god gives to walk through suffering mm-hmm. uh even even if if the feelings of depression were never to go away, right. you can still glorify God in that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's always in reminding people with these kind of kind of issues is that there's no quick fix. Right, the world doesn't have it either. So right. if if you're thinking, well, if I go to a you know somebody either outside the church or a non biblical counselor, they have the answers out there. Right, 
um, that is just simply not true. No. And I think if you find do a little research, you're going to find that even those that do what, what we call the integrationist counseling mm-hmm. and they're trying to use a Bible and they use psychology and different things. Mm-hmm. But the reality is um, they don't have the answers. Right. But we have to we have to believe that God does right. and that he loves us yep. and that he's put into his word um, helpful commands, things to think about, direction to mm-hmm. go, and that his spirit can, you have to have faith that God can help you right. either out of it or through it yep. or through it and then out of it. You know, so we're putting our faith in God and not medicine or a form of counseling right. or a particular counselor. And so as we're probing, we're, we're looking at these things. And sometimes depression counseling could take different directions. Yes. You, you, something might open up that, oh, well, we need to trace that. Yep. And, and I think a lot of times with any kind of counseling like this, there's nothing wrong with a, like, let's try this mm-hmm. approach right now. Yep. Here's what I want you to do this week. Right. And he brought out one thing, and I thought it was great, and I'll leave it with this, but he talked about all people that be da- battle with depression should become experts in joy. Mm. So not that you're feeling joy, but you become a biblical expert in joy. Mm. And he goes, you have nothing to lose in this. Yeah. And, you know, the worst that could happen is you just see joy all yeah. over the scriptures, even if you're not feeling it yet. Something like that. Yeah. You know, um, Let's talk about biblical joy. Let's look at examples of yeah. that. Let's look in the Bible at examples of depressed people, maybe both in mm. story uh, narratives or also in the Psalms. Yeah, the Psalms are full of that language. Let's let's look at Jesus and depress. Let's look at uh, th- and and always getting the person to look at God because right. our hope is in Him. Right. So there's different avenues. Not yes. like a do this and then do that and then do this and that's the answer. Right. Let's let's pray. Let's trust the Spirit to lead us. Yep in the direction we need to head to help you either endure or well endure and then out of yes or or out of it right and there's you know practical things like even reading this book would be a helpful thing for somebody walking through depression and and so uh we we say that because we do trust in the sufficiency of god's word and uh for dealing with the issues of life and so depression is one of those and there are help there are, there is hope and help found there. That's right. Anything else? I don't think so. All right. Well, we hope this podcast has been helpful for you as you think about uh, issues of life and even things like depression. Uh, we love to hear from our listeners. You can email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com if you want to be a Calvary Cast Plus subscriber by listening and send us an introduction to the podcast. Send it to our email. Or you can call us or text us or talk to us on a Sunday morning if you're a part of our church. Uh, the Calvary Cast is a production of Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado, where we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. Until next time.